0: The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of anyone at Innovative Sim Solutions or our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Echo Healthcare. Echo Healthcare is a leading provider of hyper-realistic medical simulation solutions, immersive virtual learning environments, and educational content with a focus on improving patient safety and lives. Echo Healthcare is now offering 7 Sigma Intubation and Airway Management Task Trainers under their robust product portfolio. Contact Echo Healthcare today for any of your simulation training needs. Thanks to Echo Healthcare for sponsoring this week's podcast. Contact Echo Healthcare to find out more about their new 7 Sigma Intubation and Airway Management Task Trainers. Welcome to the Sim Cafe, a podcast produced by the team at Innovative Sim Solutions, edited by Shelley Hauser. Join our host, Deb Tauber, and co-host Jared Jeffries as they sit down with subject matter experts from across the globe to reimagine clinical education and the use of simulation. So pour yourself a cup of relaxation, sit back, Tune in and learn something new from The Sim Cafe.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Sim Cafe. Thank you for joining us. And Jared, hello. (laughs) How's everything for you today?
2: We got another guest over from Europe. So I'm excited to, to hear about his journey but I'll, I'll let you give a, the proud introduction of who we have, Deb.
1: Thank you so much. And today we have Willem Van Meers. And he came from the University of Florida and Porto and in close collaboration with CAE Healthcare. So we're very excited to have the opportunity to speak with him and learn about his journey. So with that, earlier you said we may call you Willem. So thank mm-hmm. you. Why don't you share your journey the path that led you into the world of medical simulation.
3: Okay, well, th- thank you so much for for having me, and I think you're doing an excellent job on, on sharing, creating accessible information for a broad and growing community of simulationists. So my start in this realm, and I call it modeling in simulation, is, uh, is really early, 1986, which is just after the French Revolution, I believe. So I was do, I was doing a, a research project for the Eindhoven University of Technology and, and my electrical engineering studies there, and I looked at the what's called the respiratory sinus arrhythmia. And after that, I did a um, a PhD in control engineering in Toulouse in France, working on a heart lung machine, and that enabled me to um, to say yes to a, a request from the University of Florida when they were looking for somebody who could. Uh, model the the cardiovascular and the respiratory systems of of an anesthesia simulator they had they were designing so in 1992 i moved to gainesville florida and at the at the time the uh, the medical students were training on dogs and sheep still and anesthesia residents were training on real patients on us and the plan and the admission there was to create at the time was called the Gainesville Anesthesia Simulator. It's now called, called the Human Patient Simulator, which was a, a simulator that was breathing real gases, real oxygen, real CO2, real anesthetic gases, and that had a number of models of human physiology to make it react to what you and what you did to it. We did develop a few other simulators there, a, um, a pediatric simulator and a baby simulator. And then after six years in Gainesville, My French wife and I, and and by then our two American children, moved back to Europe and we moved to Porto. And at the University of Porto, I set up a a team of obstetricians and mathematicians that designed a delivery simulator. And I felt I owed that to to my dad, who was an obstetrician. And that was a a successful project. It took a while to get it to market. But... um, the Lucina childbirth simulator is now also commercialized by CAE Healthcare. In two phases, I moved back to the French Pyrenees, which is where my wife's from. And I, I now live in a, a small farm in on the French side of the Pyrenees with with my wife and donkey. Our, our kids are in Paris. But then I did play a role in the SESEM society for a while and and right now my most important research with a university in the Netherlands is on what we call explanatory models. It's a it's a visualization of, of complex underlying physiology to help acute care physicians think in, in very critical situations. So that's in a nutshell my my path, my thirty six or seven years long path through simulation.
2: I think that's already a mic drop, villain. That's that's just like, okay, whoa. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. I, I'm looking at Deb's face. Her, Deb, <laughs> you got to close your mouth a little. It, it's been open for too long.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
2: where to start? I mean, one is, I think the HPS, the HPS when it was released was groundbreaking in regards to the, with anesthetists and pushing CO2 and being able to have that level of fidelity one how long did that R research and development take and two once it kind of went to market what was what were you feeling
3: well the research and development took about six years so not not all that long and uh, I had two there were a few very nice moments of course in the development of the, the simulator one one was when I uh, got a very around 1993 I believe 30 years ago. I got a very worried call from an engineer who's demonstrating the simulator in Vail, Colorado, and he said, uh, "Willem, I'm, I'm running the COPD patient, and and he's hyperventilating like crazy. So what's what's going on?" I said, "Well, Ron, what altitude are you at?" And it it turned out the simulator had detected the uh, lack of oxygen in high altitude, and so we just had to change one parameter so that it would adapt to that altitude and then uh, and then we were on the road again so that was a nice certainly a nice moment in, in in our experience there i also remember a little bit later when the cae's predecessor meti medical education technologies build a had just built a new plant and i was working there with a colleague and and i left the plant through the back door walked around the plant to get my my rental car up front and and I, I came past the loading dock and there was a truck with parts and there was space for another truck that was shipping completed simulators. And just eight years before, that those were just ideas of a bunch of people sitting around a table in Gainesville, Florida. So there's been lots of interesting moments. I can think of, of ER, the television series, ER, using our simulator in one of their sequences, Newsweek doing a special on the simulator. So it's been it's been a great ride. And and now I'm interviewed by you guys. Come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, you are one of the pioneers of, of simulation, because when it comes to, you know, scaling this industry, especially when you started it from modeling and simulation, I, I do like how you also put it that way. In 86, right there, there are people doing simulation, but it was very hard to connect the dots. And obviously, through internet, it's much easier. And within healthcare organizations, we're then able to then connect even further by congresses and conferences and and memberships, but also through other types of media, such as print, digital, and so on with what we're doing. But I do know that there's also something that you've put into print. It's called the Dolls Engineering Book. I I want to touch on that a little bit, if you can tell our listeners something about it
3: we'd be happy to that's one of so so my major talent is i believe is to get myself in trouble and and the dolls engineer was a good example of that so um i was planning to write uh, two books but they both and i'm still planning on those but they had co-authors and they they weren't ready so i had started to write down just a little bit about my convoluted life mostly for my children because they hear some stories but it's it's complicated so and then I ran into an old friend from New Orleans, and I had hadn't seen her in, in 34 years. And, and she was writing her own autobiography. And, and so I told her about the two chapters I had at the time. And so talked about that. And she she encouraged me to keep on writing. And and I talked to um, Pierre Luigi and Gracia, whom you whom you've interviewed, and at the time, I was uh, writing articles. I'm still writing articles for the magazine Simzine. And he said, oh, that's nice. Send me a chapter. So I did. And uh, and a week later, we had a, a verbal agreement on a short autobiography, which which was about well, mostly about my life and, and compli- complicated path through uh, four continents and 14 cities and, and villages and so on. But also about 30 years in medical simulation. So, and that book was uh, released at the most recent SESM conference. So, um, it's, uh, and the reason it's called the Dolls Engineer is that for a while I lived in two places in my village where my wife and children lived in the Pyrenees. And I still had the research team, my research team in Porto that developed the delivery simulator. So I had a a small house in Villanova de Gaia, which is uh, on the other side of the river from Porto. And my neighbors there had seen me on television talking about the delivery simulator and other simulators. And so they called me o engenheiro dos bonecos in portuguese which means the, the dolls engineer so we uh, Pierre Luigi and I thought that was a nice uh, potential title for the book so uh, yeah there's um it it was it was very enjoyable to to write it from a personal point of view but it was also nice to to describe in an informal way some of this surprising history of yeah, no longer training on animals and real patients. That's what it was about for me.
2: I want to pick up a copy of the book and I want you to sign it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but but if we, uh, we can include that link in the show notes. So if people do want to purchase it, that's through where now?
3: For now, because we're tar- the publisher, which is the same publisher as for Simzine. So it's called Sim SimEdita is talking to Amazon, etc. But for now it's the publisher is the only site that, that sells it. So well we'll we'll put it if you can okay. put a link that would be great. Yeah, certainly and, and yeah. A,
2: yeah,
3: perfect.
1: Will you be at IMSH?
3: I may. I I don't cross the ocean that often anymore for a number of reasons. So uh, I don't know yet. I will be visiting in October I will be in North Carolina and I will actually be visiting another piece of simulation history. So Mike Bernstein, who uh, took over METI and who then sold it to CAE Healthcare is a a good friend and he has just moved to North Carolina and I'm going to visit him. So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about, but I'm still unsure about IMSH.
1: Okay. All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Simzine, the magazine, the
3: yeah, very glad to to do that. That was I got involved with uh, Simzine. I I think around the uh, previous uh, SESM conference in uh, which was in Seville, the, the first conference after COVID, so it was a very exciting European conference. And and I like Pierre Luigi, and we liked each other, right? Ohay, um, and he's the editor in chief of Simzine. The the two aspects I like most about Simzine, or maybe three, but it definitely two is is that it's um, multilingual. So it's it's in English, but it also has Italian and Spanish versions. All All the articles are translated in between those languages. And it has both a paper and an electronic version. So on the paper version, you get, obviously, you get just one language, but there's always a QR code if you don't read the other language. So... Uh, if I try really hard, I can read Italian if it's about simulation. But the, but I yeah I can read English and, and Spanish without without too much effort. So those I like those two aspects: the multilingual aspect and and the fact that it's both on paper and then um, in electronic format. And it also gives quite a bit of attention to technology, which had a little bit disappeared from the programs of the of the international conferences. And I don't. I mean, obviously, clinical aspects and educational aspects are the most important aspects in our domain. But the the tools, the technology, the software is important as well. So there's room for that. So I'm, I'm very happy to, uh, to participate in Simzine. And just today, the next issue is number 10, is going to press today. And uh, I interviewed one of my former Portuguese students. So... In Portuguese so we added a language to the journal so we're very happy about that not so much for the Portuguese people because they, they most of them read and and write English but of course Brazil is a is a big country and giving people well like people in Italy and Spain and and Brazil access to important information about simulation is very important so and not all of these people read English so I'm very happy with this journey.
2: I'm very glad to be able to contribute to it. Thank
1: Wonderful.
2: you. I think I saw you at CSAM this year, because I was also at the conference. course we didn't know each other uh, then. But can you tell us about the conference this year, how it was received in 23, or how you've seen it develop throughout the years?
3: Well, that would take an after interview, because uh, I, I was too busy. Uh, inventing and raising my first child to go to the first session conference but i think i've been to all session conferences since and next year is, is i believe conference number 30 or 29 and the society exists has existed for for um mm-hmm. for 30 years so what i uh, liked about the uh, the last conference in lisbon was uh, of course well we had One conference before, after COVID, I mentioned the Seville conference, which was was a blast, being being able to go to a conference again, and face to face interaction, and and the the numbers kept rising, and and Lisbon was was very much a success, and one of the factors of success of the Lisbon conference, I think, was there was there well, there's a very good chair of the scientific chair of the conference, uh, Christina Diaz Navarro. And she works in close collaboration with the editor in chief of the scientific journal. So Gabe Reedy is the editor in chief of Advances in Simulation, which is the scientific journal, open access scientific journal, of Session. And so, yeah. yeah, a lot of in- too much, very interesting conference. I couldn't I couldn't go to all the workshops. It's um, but just what I can do is is just give you a brief idea of the content, I, I worked with lots of different Please. teams. So so the three presentations I gave, I think do reflect the diversity of the conference. I did give a workshop with a young Italian investigator, three young Italian investigators on selecting the best simulator for your job. And we talked about simulation technology and virtual reality and mannequin based technology, etc. So there was kind of a practical workshop. I presented a very theoretical paper on a new acid-base balance model for general use in acute care simulators together with a group from the Netherlands. And then I I presented a paper on space medicine. And I've worked with investigators on the Australian space medicine program. And because the Australians want commercial space flight, for example, a two-hour flight between Sydney and London, and you can do that through space, but the challenge there is not technical. Space tourism already does that, but the challenge is medical. You put a young astronaut in a rocket, and he or she will come out. You you put me in a rocket, and and there's a big question mark uh, at the at the end. So, so we're using modeling and simulation to. Uh, well, my one of my colleagues, Lex van Loon, and in in now back in the Netherlands, uses the concept of medical digital twins to to simulate the patient and submit or the patient, the traveler, the potential traveler to, uh, to the conditions of commercial space flights. So I gave a presentation on that. So very stimulating, very broad conference.
2: That's across the spectrum. I think this is the first time I've heard uh, something with space, which I, I, you know, I geek out on the simulation technician side, the space thing is like, wait, what? Of course, you probably don't have time to go, go much into that, given your background. I hope to follow up on that, another pod in the future. You know, I think getting back, like just the the atmosphere within in Lisbon was so many people were probably, um, you know, they were very excited, of course, to connect with people. And I, and I remember there was so much connection that was happening that was so great to see again. And it's been kind of far and in between for for a few years. So it was, it was wonderful to see.
1: Yeah. Thank you for your contributions. Now, Willem, how did you enjoy your role as president of systems?
3: So well, I, I enjoyed teaching, and I, I love R and D, uh, and being a session president was more of a okay. Well, this needs to be done. Somebody needs to do it. But I think I got involved in two thousand three or four or so, and, and spent six years on the executive committee and two years of uh, as a president. But in two thousand three, it was kind of urgent because we had forty uh, paying members registrants so we needed to do something or the society would disappear and over the years the last conference i was involved with in that period had 400 uh, paying registrants in in copenhagen in, in denmark so yeah it was a it was a successful ride and uh, and of course that, that was the trend of the time the, the imsh uh, increased numbers as well but it was a bit of a challenging time and and we really needed to be uh, Efficient to to make sure the society survived and and we did and by now we have eleven hundred or twelve hundred registrants so I think we're uh, we're certainly out of the woods in those organizational terms
2: and I mean seeing that growth throughout the years and of course it's there's nothing consistent there's this graph that goes up and down and sideways and turns over I think there's a I don't want to say a refound but there's a focus within healthcare simulation, as, as we can see these numbers growing across the board with all healthcare organizations. But in order to continue to increase that simulation footprint in Europe, what what would you recommend or, or where do you see certain trends going? Um, I'm sorry to say that,
3: but I, I don't know. It's been a while. I mean, I left the Netherlands in 1985, so I don't really think at a national scale and I don't think that much at a European scale either what i would like to contribute if i may turn the question that way is uh, is that i would like for simulation worldwide to become more visual and to use uh, to show more of what goes on inside the patient anatomically and physiologically and we've been working on that in the context of what we call explanatory models And the other big thing, and that's, I believe, a holy grail for a lot of simulationists, and again, it doesn't really matter which which country or which continent you're on, we'd like to get objective performance indices. And we can obtain those, for example, if we look at myocardial perfusion and oxygenation or cerebral perfusion and oxygenation. And if you have a model-driven simulator, those indicators are available and we don't use them and we would be able to tell how a simulated patient's brain or heart would have been doing and maybe later on we'll look at the kidneys etc but uh, but if we start with the vital organs we could provide objective performance indices and and I really think that that would affect the simulation uh, around the world and if I do you make me think about Europe so Europe's challenge and opportunities. It's diversity. And, uh, I mean, we have 28 countries. We all speak different languages, and we have all different healthcare systems. So, huge challenges, but also huge opportunities. And and we can experiment something in Denmark, and then if it works, apply it in in Germany, and then all over the European Union. So there's, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, quite a challenge. And and if we meet those challenges, we, we create a lot of new things in Europe. But again, I don't think we're... SESM definitely is not thinking just Europe. It's by origin European society, but we we get people from the Arab world, from Australia, uh, from the US. So it's a Europe-centered international conference. That's how I look at it.
2: Yeah, and I think it's great. I mean, hearing more visual cues, I think trying new things is always going to be important because we can't just keep doing things the way we were. I really like that you would highlight that aspect doing something a little differently so thank you
3: and think about it have the uh, my maternal grandmother was one of the first female radiologists in the netherlands and and being able to i told my the other kids in school that my grandmother looked through people and they they didn't believe me but it was true and being able to look inside people without opening them up has totally changed healthcare. And I think we could do a similar change in simulation as well. And there, there are already some simulators out there that do that, that look at, at anatomy and physiology using augmented reality. And I just would like to see more of that. And I think it will change the mental models that the healthcare providers have if, if they really have a clear picture of what's what's going on inside their patients.
1: Yeah, I think the SimZane magazine being digital as well as on paper is also aiding to spread the word and congratulations on your 10th episode this week
3: yeah thank you it's it's, it's going to the printer today I got I I had somebody on on email earlier to provide some uh, some Corrections
1: are there any parting words that you'd like our listeners to hear from you
3: so I feel a bit sorry that you have to listen like to the to the fossil that I'm I am in this field, but it's, it's uh, certainly uh, it's still despite that it's still a young field and it needs growth and maturing. And so I would encourage you to keep the good work coming, and that's that's true for Sim Cafe as well. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you for your contributions, people like you, and where we need to pass on that knowledge that you've accumulated for for decades and i don't want to say it's a shortcut but it's the same thing as a good book right you you can go through the lessons yourself and learn it the hard way over years or you can read a book and shave off a couple years but i think with the world of simulation because of what path you've had to forge as well as many others but there's so many ways that we can say okay we know this doesn't work because here's the data and if we're able to show the data based off what you've already presented and accomplished then we're able to actually focus our time energy resources on what really matters
3: that's a great observation and the the inventions and the innovation is important but the documenting the dead ends is is probably just as important yeah.
2: definitely so
3: thank yes.
1: you yes yes it is very very important to make sure that we you know learn from different sources and learn the origins. Um, I'm really fascinated by your story. I can't even imagine what it must have been like to be one of those original five coming up with the first human patient simulator.
3: Well, read my book. (laughs) it, yeah yeah it's it's, uh, it's mostly stories indeed and and i do think that we we also live by those and and then of course we need the scientific journals and the scientific books as well but uh, a lot of what we do is uh, is most easily transmitted by by stories
1: yes all right well thank you and to you guys uh, good evening and to to the rest of our guests uh, good morning good afternoon wherever you're at Thank you, and happy
0: simulating. Thanks to Echo Healthcare for sponsoring this week's podcast. Contact Echo Healthcare to find out more about their new Seven Sigma Intubation and Airway Management Task Trainers. Thanks for joining us here at the Sim Cafe. We hope you enjoyed. Visit us at www.InnovativeSimSolutions.com and be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Innovative Sim Solutions is your one-stop shop for your simulation needs. A turnkey solution.